Jesus. Why don't you pray and thank God that he's re-energized you? Go ahead, lift up your voice, thank God that he's re-energized you because praise also is a tremendous source of strength. I want to say good morning to some of the best people in the United States of America. God bless you. Thank you for coming out on this cold. Now, a lot of you all are saying this is cold out there, but my brother uh, let me know that they were getting six to ten inches of snow today. And so when I heard that, I decided to not even put on a coat or a hat today. I, I said, I'll take 45, 50 degrees all day long in mid-December. So let's thank God for living in Georgia, praise God, and we're not getting 10 inches of snow like other places around the world. Why don't you shake someone's hand today, let them know that you're glad to see them, and then you can be seated. Praise God. Good to see you this morning. Jesus is definitely Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. Well, obviously, we are three weeks away from the birth or what we acknowledge and celebrate as the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage people around the room because we get all stressed out about buying gifts and we don't have money this year or we do have money or what should we get them? You know, at the end of the day, it's not your birthday. So, so I don't know why we get all stressed out. It's not our birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. And so if all you can do is call someone and tell them, I love you, I miss you, Merry Christmas, that's a good gift. Bake cookies and pass them out. But don't stress out over buying someone something if you don't have the money to do it. I want to encourage someone, only spend what's in your account to spend. Don't charge one gift for Christmas this year. Let me try this side of the room over here. I said don't charge one gift for Christmas this year. It's not about that. Call them and tell them you love them. Now, this is getting ready to shock you, even if it's your kids. All right. Spirit of God just kind of placed on my spirit. You know, anytime we can answer the question why, I mean, it kind of directs our life. When you understand why you do what you do, it kind of directs our lives, right? And so... We know that we're getting ready to embark upon the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My goal over the next three weeks is to try to help us understand why he came in the first place. And I think if we can understand why he came, then we can receive the full benefit of why he came. And so we're going to talk about that. The the title of the the series next three weeks is just why. And we're going to look at that why question in terms of why Jesus came to the earth over the next uh, three weeks. If you have the Bible app, version uh, on your apparatus there, you can go to the bottom, I believe it's the right corner, you'll see three bars there. Hit those bars, go to the event section and look up Linked Up Church and the entire outline for today. There'll be more than what you'll see today because it's a series, so they'll only get what I'll cover today, but it'll be right there. You can actually take notes on there, follow right along. It'll be on the screen as well. And so, In my introduction today, I have two points that I want to cover, and so I'm not really ministering a traditional message, so I don't want you to prepare your hearts to receive that way. 
We're going to look at more of a doctrinal and theological perspective of why he came, okay? And so, point number one in my introduction, the great truth that's revealed in the New Testament is that the eternal God became one of us. He became a human being. And that has been a problem and a challenge for people to believe for thousands of years. But it really is one of, if not the greatest truth revealed in the New Testament, is that the eternal God became one of us and he became a human being. If you would turn to John chapter 1 and let's look at some supporting verses there. John chapter 1, St. John chapter 1, when you get there, say amen. St. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, you say it, what is it? And the Word was what? God. Look at verse 14. And the Word became what? So if the Word was God and the Word became flesh, then God became flesh in the earth. And the Word became flesh and did what? Lived among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten. That word begotten there means born. The only born of the Father And this is what I love, full of grace and truth. And that word grace there is a Greek word, charis, and it means graciousness. It means benevolence. It means liberality. It means joy. And so I've been studying one subject for the entire year, and that's the subject of grace. And on yesterday, my wife and I, we were going to a marriage fellowship, small group fellowship, and God bless you all. You all really know how to do things first class if you were present at that. Thank you all for blessing my wife and I. We appreciate it. But on the way to that event, a pastor called me. And uh, the pastor, I guess he had been listening to some messages on SoundCloud, and he said, hey, Doc, uh, help me understand that. What is that you're teaching the people? And I knew by the way he said that he had a problem with it. And it was about the, the subject of grace, and he began to talk about his position on it. And so, just to make a long story short, because it's not my subject today, but it it supports what I'm getting ready to read. He started talking about the grace of God, and and I'll just say it this way. I told him, I said, whatever grace it is that you're teaching and you understand, if it's teaching you or me to give God less and to sin more, I don't want no parts of it. Whatever revelation you have about grace that's causing you to give less and sin more, You keep that grace because I don't want no parts of it. If you ever want to learn about the subject of grace, look at Jesus because the Scripture says he was full of grace and truth. So if he did it, then you know you should do it. Watch this. If he didn't do it, you know you shouldn't do it. And any teaching that does not support that, I don't want any parts of. What this person was saying was, well, I noticed when I, when I didn't do this, this didn't happen. But you're calling me for help. So, so even though, let me tell you, Father, I mean, if my child does something wrong, I'm not going to kill my child. I mean, I'm not getting ready to reward him either. They're probably going to stay neutral till their behavior changes. 
I don't love them any less. And that's what I tried to help this pastor understand. I said, oh, oh yeah, of course God's not going to kill you, but you need help. So clearly you're not getting the help that you need. If you ever want to learn about the subject of grace, look at the life of Jesus. Anything, I, this is what I said to him. So you know what grace teaches me? Because God loves me so much, I give him more. Because he's been so good to me, man, I, I don't even want to come close to attempting to sin against my wife. I don't even want to play with it because God's been so good to me. I don't understand how you can get a revelation of it's okay to cheat on your spouse. And God's okay with that. Of course, he's not going to kill you. But I don't see him blessing you either. I see him keeping you, giving you enough time to get yourself together. All right, let's keep going. You all didn't like that. I see you all didn't like that. I only got two amens on that one. But I'm telling you, a true believer, you would have shouted, that's good right there, Pastor Greg. I'm talking, I'm talking, I don't want no parts of grace. Tell, listen, if it's about sinning, don't bring it to me. If it's about I don't have to give because I'm under grace. How do we get to that? Where do... And it's scary when pastors are asking those kind of questions. Listen to me, folks. I shouldn't have had that conversation. Sin will never be accepted at Linked Up Church. We'll love you to say, but, man, we, we're not going to tolerate it when we find out. Well, how many know today you got to find out? <laughs> Everybody say, I love, I love Pastor Gregory. Pastor. He's sticking with the truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace and what? Truth. truth. The word truth there in the Greek means true. Okay? Let's keep going here. Go to Philippians. Let's look at Paul's perspective here. He kind of echoes the same thoughts of John. Look at Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at 5 through 7. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This attitude be in you. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, which means he emptied himself out, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. We've looked at three supporting scriptures there about God manifesting himself in the flesh. Point number two in my introduction, we learned in Bible school about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So a couple of things I want to say about that. Uh, there are really three definitions that I have up underneath there. They're lettered A, B, and C. They should go on the screen. The incarnation of Jesus Christ First point, letter A, God became a human in Jesus Christ, okay? So I need you all to always understand that when you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about God manifested in the flesh, all right? All of this will make sense as we keep traveling. This is known as the incarnation, okay? So for Bible students out there, incarnation is from the Latin meaning in flesh, Listen very carefully. 
Although it is not a biblical word, it has a biblical truth. And so let me explain that to you. Just like if you're doing apologetics or you're sitting down talking to someone, let's just say of another belief, and they ask you, do you believe in the Trinity? Well, they're asking that because they want you to say yes. And then what they're going to follow that question up with is, show me the word Trinity in the Bible. Then you're going to go looking for it, and you won't find it from Genesis to Revelation because it doesn't exist. And then they'll think that they have you. What you'll see more consistent is what's called the triune nature of God. So it's really God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you won't see this word incarnation in Scripture, but what you'll see is the truth of incarnation in Scripture, okay? And that's what we're going to look to uh, prove out. And so Jesus is the eternal God who became flesh and blood, all right? Letter B, Jesus took on a new nature. All of this should go right up on the screen. The incarnation was the uniting of the divine and the human into one being. One person, Jesus Christ, listen very carefully, who was fully God, yet fully human. Now, in Bible school, they called that, there was a term. It was called the hypostatic union. Jesus is God in the flesh, okay? And you've got to master this if you're ever going to defend what it is that you believe, okay? Who is Jesus? God manifested how? In the flesh. All right, let's keep going. Let us see. Jesus laid aside all of his heavenly glory. Now, all of us would agree that if I was in heaven and, and, you know, how heaven is described, would you all be willing to admit how many of y'all would have left there to help people who didn't care anything about you? I mean, there would not have been salvation if it depended on us. We would have been like, leave them right there where they at. Right? And so he left his heavenly glory and he laid it all aside to come and be with us. And this is why we need to understand why. Who would do that? What kind of love is that, that you would leave everything that you have to come and help people who at the beginning don't care anything about you? And reject you. So the incarnation, really, in becoming a human being, Jesus laid aside his heavenly glory to live among us. Now, how I many you know it's one thing to come down here, it's another thing to live with you. Now, has anyone in here gone to college? Now, you know, I, I played on the basketball team in college. It's one thing to play with your teammates. But one of us, because we played well together, we decided to roommate, be, become roommates. I'll just say it this way. I, I went and got an apartment the next year by myself because, you know, spending time with you and living with you, it's not the same. Let me go to my married folks here for a moment. I mean, you know, dating someone, living with someone. You see things when you live with them that you didn't see when you were dating them. (laughs) 
I just feel like it's a real tough message to get out today. So I'm trying to give illustrations here to help us. Anyone in here know what I'm talking about? It was almost like, what happened? Because people, when you're dating, are always, they have their A game. After we get each other, we tone that down a little bit. Then we start showing some real stuff. All right, I'll just leave that alone right there. Because I know you all like, where is he going with that? I would only tell on myself. I would never tell on my wife, right? And so what am I saying here, folks? People, when they decide to live with you, they love you. Watch this. In spite of everything they know about you. I mean, that's love. So where are you going with this, Pastor? If you wish to know really what God is like, then you really need to look no further than Jesus. And so the question is, why did Jesus do that? How did he do that? And scripture gives us several reasons why Jesus came to the earth. Now, I would have been here until resurrection had I just gave you all of them. And so it's not exhaustive, but I pulled out what I believe to be some of the most important, which is about 10 of them. We'll cover about two today, and then we'll pick it back up on next week, okay? Number one reason I, I have here, he wanted to further reveal God to humanity. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, this is what I love about God. You know, God wanted me. It's nice to be wanted. I mean, it's nice to be chosen. You all remember high school. You get the little little handwritten note that comes to you. Let's go back to middle school. You all remember the little letters you pass around. I like you. Do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. Or was I the only one doing stuff like that? Come on, was anybody else out here doing something? Boy, when you get that letter back circled, yes. I mean, that changed the whole thing right there, right? Now you can build up the courage to actually have a conversation. And say, what's the next thing you say? Come on, come on. Some of you old players in here know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what's the next thing you say? What's your number? Right? You exchange numbers and get what's my point, folks? He chose us. We love him because he first loved us. So if you go all the way back to Adam, what was that all about, folks? That was about God having a relationship with Adam. God wanted Adam to know how he was, what he wanted to do for him, to fellowship, to commune. I mean, it was no different today. So when the first Adam fell, he said, you know, it's just like human nature. If you want something done right, then you have to do it yourself. And so he said, Adam messed that up. And so now let me go down to the earth and reveal myself to my people further. Let me further show them who I am. And let's support that. Go with me to John chapter 1 again. John chapter 1. First and foremost reason was to give us a further revelation of who God was. I love that. 
So if you want to know anything about God, you don't have to look any further than Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, look at verse 17 and 18. Are you there? It says, for the law was given through Moses, and here's further confirmation of what I said earlier, but grace and truth came through who? It's not a message of grace if it's not about what Jesus did. You overheard that conversation on yesterday. Interesting conversation, wasn't it? Riding in the car, had it on speakerphone. Interesting conversation. You ain't, listen, if you're going to teach me or tell me anything about Jesus, I'm going to, I'm about, about grace, I'm going to measure it by Jesus. Because grace is founded in truth, not looseness. Can I get three good amens in here? And then one good hallelujah. Let's keep going. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So no one has seen God at any time. The only born son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. This verse is teaching that Jesus explained God to humanity. So we don't need to wonder what God is like. All we've got to do is look at Jesus because his assignment for coming to the earth was to show us what the father is like. Go to John chapter 14. Let's look at it another way. John chapter 14. And his dissertation with Philip, because this has been man's challenge, you know, they want to see God. You know, it's just human nature. Show me something and I'll believe it. I know what God is always believe it and then I'll show you. Look at what Jesus said to Philip. He said, if you've known me, then you would have known my father also. Verse 7. If you'd have known me, then you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him. Watch this. And you have seen him. Philip missed this because Philip said, Lord, show us the father and it sufficeth and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not known me? Now, if you can't see, that's God talking to you because he just said, show me the father. And his answer was, Have I been with you so long and you haven't known me? See what he's telling him. I'm God. And that's the tone. Have you been with me so long and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, But the Father who dwells in me, he's the one doing the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, watch this, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So in other words, if you don't believe what I'm saying to you, then believe what I'm showing you. Isn't that good? Go to John chapter 5. Let's look at it another way. And so Jesus wasn't just content, and I believe all churches and all pastors should be this way. They should say things, but you should also see the result of the things that they say, right? And that should determine, you know, how you make choices. You want to see God confirming what leaders say. 
Is that clear? Right? And so if eight years from now we're still talking about God's going to bless us with a building, I'd go somewhere else where God has blessed someone with a building. But I got good news for you. But I'm just holding that good news for right now. Man, I almost ran. I think I did run and got back on the stage before anybody saw it. I'm so excited. So Jesus wasn't afraid to say, don't just listen to what I say. Watch what I do. Look at John chapter 5, verse 16. We know after he had healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, watch this. For this reason, what reason? He healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. The Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father had been working until now, so I've been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Now, they weren't desiring to kill him because he was working, believe it or not. They were desiring to kill him because he said his father was working. And they knew then that had to make him equal with God. Let's keep reading here. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, here's the real issue, but cancels out everything that was said prior to that. He also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. We can all learn something from that revelation right there. But what he sees the father do, For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. That's grace. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these so that you may marvel. And folks, I believe there's some greater works coming in your life. Listen to me. I I prophesy to you, you haven't seen nothing yet. Somebody better get a hold of that. You think God has been good to you up to this point? You have not seen nothing yet. There are some things that are coming in your life that they are going to make you marvel at how good God is. Boy, I wish there was some faith in this room. I would not let that fly over my head. Listen to me. There are some things coming to this church, and there are some things coming to the people that belong to this church. It's going to make you marvel. And it has nothing to do with a building. Everything to do with a relationship. Hallelujah. 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 For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Watch this. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Go to John chapter 10. Let's look at it another way. I'm going to give you enough ammunition here so it'll be real clear. Go to John chapter 10. Jesus is now explaining that he is the shepherd. He is the door. No man comes to the Father but through him. See, the religion is going to teach you there are many ways to the Father. 
And they all are very close to the truth. But not quite there. So that's why when I go places and, and people say, in, in, in the, the creator's name, I ask, what creator are you referring to? Before I can agree with that. The creator loves us all. Which creator are you referring to? You'll see people pray and they won't say in Jesus' name. See, the whole purpose, that's not like a magic wand. That's just identifying who God really is. And you know that. And so you'll see people pray, dear Heavenly Father, uh, you've been good. I'm asking that you bless and you bless all things. Thank you. And a lot of times it's because they don't want to offend anyone. Well, then you've got to ask yourself, then, would you prefer to offend God? I need two good hallelujahs right there. If they ask you to pray on the job, pray. You in John chapter 10? Pick it up at verse 31. You all get anything out of this today? Good stuff. Watch this. John chapter 10, verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And again, this is because he's showing them the way, the truth, and the life. It's all through him. He's the shepherd. He's the door. Right? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? Now, let me help you all understand something about success when you become successful. It's never about your destiny. It's just human nature. People don't care about how you got there. They're only looking for ways to to tear you down. And you've got to understand that. See, he's dealing with the real issue. Because if healing people and raising people from the dead is wrong, Listen, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Feeding 5,000 people is wrong. See, 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 well, you see what he's saying? Many things I've shown you. Would you just tell me which one of these? Let's keep reading. Many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him and said, Religious for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law? I don't know if you all are ready for what I'm getting ready to read. It'll take faith for you to receive what I'm getting ready to read to you because he was trying to tell them, You are just like me. If you are truly a son of God. He didn't get offended. He said, we're actually the same. And he took them back to the book and he says, is it not written in your law? I said, you are. See, he said, God. He said, I actually said it. You are my sons. You're little gods. Lowercase g. Now, my wife and I, she'll tell you, 
with our kids, we've made the mistake of telling them that everything that we have belongs to you. And they've been hearing this their whole lives. So when my daughter finally got her driver's license, I don't know who picked us up. We were, all three cars were there. She came out and looked at all three of them. And I guess she said, all three are mine. (laughs) And so today I feel like driving daddy's car. Just as innocent, listen, to that, I couldn't even get upset no more. Just as innocent after, you know, she called where she was at. I can't remember all the context there where she was at. You know, your first response is black parenting. <laughs> you know, we're going to kill somebody. We're going to open up a website, right, right or wrong. Killachild.com. You take my car, boy, you're going to be the picture on that website. That was my initial response. It was like, what are you doing? And she calmly said, Dad, you said that. Whatever's yours. And she's not being sarcastic. She's not, she is sincere. So I, you know, because she put it to me like that, I had to calm down and say, you know what? You're right. But the next time, just call and ask before you just jump in it and go. But how many of y'all know if you really love your children, it's, it's some truth to that. They are little yous running around. And whatever you have belongs to them. All right, let me say it to you another way. I got my daughter a credit card. Now, it says her name on it, but it's really my credit card, if that makes sense. It all comes to me. It's based off of my account. Now, I noticed she didn't like to eat out as much when she was spending. Can I just work with this truth a little bit? Now, she has that card. And she's never used it without permission. But she calls all the time. What is she saying? If my daddy has it, I have it. Did you see what Jesus was trying to get them to understand? Everything you see me doing, you can do too. So notice what he said to them. Have you not, is it not written in your law that I said you are God's? And if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? See, in other words, what he was saying, I'm no different than you. If I do not do the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do, Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Of course, they didn't hear that. Therefore, they sought again to seize him. This would have said something to me right here, but he escaped right out of their hand. 
And I can almost visualize everybody rushing him, but can't grab him. And can you imagine all these people trying to grab you and you just keep walking and can't nobody touch you? I mean, right there, I probably would have said, what was that he was saying again? (laughs) But of course, human nature, they hear, but they don't listen. That's why he always had to say, hearken. You know what the word hearken means? Listen with the intent to obey. I'm going to stop here for today. And so you've got to understand the Old Testament revelation was incomplete. And it could not be completed until that baby was born. And folks, we're getting ready. I'm telling you, we're getting ready to learn some things over these next couple of weeks. And this is what Christmas is all about. Don't let, don't let the world commercialize Christmas. And don't get caught up in the matrix. It makes no sense to charge all that money that you don't have to be miserable to start the new year off in the hole. For realistically, things that people usually don't even use by the time the next Christmas rolls around. Now, I've looked like this since I was 19 years old, bald head. I never forget my auntie. I was 24, 24. Were we together? Not yet. 24, 25 years old. My auntie bought me a brush for Christmas. Don't laugh. See, there. hey, stop that. Laugh with me. If you don't see me laughing, you're laughing at me. It's only laughing with me. Stop all that. No, I'm just kidding. She, uh, she, she purchased me a, a Diane. I don't know if you all remember number seven. I said, uh, Auntie, I have not used the Diane number seven since my sophomore year of high school. And I probably used it so much, that's why I don't need it anymore. <laughs> what am I saying? Most people buy gifts that people can't use anyway. It's not about that, folks. So I'm commissioning you. Do not charge one gift this Christmas. Well, what can I give them? Give them a word from the Lord. Find a scripture that meets their situation and share it with them. And ask them if you can pray that scripture over their lives. And tell them that's the best that I have to give you this year. But I'll keep working at this and maybe I'll have a little bit more to give you next year. Folks, one of the greatest truths in this Bible is that God wanted to come and be with you. And so I don't know what your story is. Maybe I don't know where your family, your friends, I don't know if you're in a relationship, but I'm here to tell you that, man, there's no greater relationship you can have than the one that the Father wants to have with you. Every other relationship you will ever have will pale in comparison. Even if you married the person of your dreams, they will never compare to the relationship that you'll have with God the Father through his son, Jesus. And what a great gift, the fact that I am comforted by knowing the Father wanted to come to earth 
just to be with me. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for that one truth that we learned today. Thank the Father that he wanted to be with you and have a relationship, a personal relationship with you through his Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, help us to treat that right. May we not be religious, Father. May we not miss it. May we not hear you, but but not listen to you, Father. Help us to live the life that our big brother lived. You made us equal with him. And so, Father, we have the ability to live like him. That's why you gave us the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said that when he leaves, we'll even do greater works than those. Because he's going to be in us, same way that the Father was in him. And so as you're meditating on that one truth today, I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know your story. I just know that God loves you, and I know that beyond anything else, he came to this earth to have a relationship with you. And the end result of that relationship is that all things will be good in your life. Even the bad things that are going on right now, because God is good, he'll turn them around and work them out in your favor. All you've got to do is have a relationship with him. And so while you're in that attitude of prayer right now, I believe the Spirit of God is dealing with hearts in this room. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to have a personal relationship with God. Man, it all starts there. It'll make your marriage better. You'll be a better father, a better mother, a better employer, a better employer.